Want to discover how much money your email marketing can actually bring you? If that's the case, let our team of email marketing experts show you how. With our free email marketing audit, we'll conduct a comprehensive analysis of your email marketing efforts, provide you with action plan, and show you how to effectively segment and convert your audience. Simply go to flowium.com slash audit and book your audit today. Kevin is the founder and the mastermind behind a suitcase brand called Chester Travelers. He launched the brand back in 2017 and in 2019, the brand already did 1.5 million in revenue. Welcome to Email Einstein, a podcast by Flowium. It's time to start honing your inner marketing Einstein. Tune in for the data-driven tips that'll make you a marketing genius. Here you'll find email marketing formulas and tips straight from the brilliant mad scientist at Flowium. It's time for your emails to start earning more money. It's time to unleash your Einstein. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Email Einstein. Vera and Elisa here with a very special guest today. But before we do get started, we are two email marketers at an email marketing agency called Flowium. We are super passionate about email marketing. And because we love what we do, we want to share our insights with you. Flowium is one of the fastest growing email marketing agencies in the world. We specialize in providing a premium full-service e-commerce email marketing experience for all of our clients. Our service is tailored specifically for your business and is designed to help increase your online retail revenue by 20 to 50%. We deliver the right message to the right person at the right moment, and that's what we're all about here at Flowium. Vera, take us away. I'm excited for today. (laughs) Well, thank you, Alyssa, and uh, thanks for hanging out with us here today, Kevin. Today um, on the show, we'll be talking to a very special guest, Kevin Urutia from Chester Travel. Kevin is the founder and the mastermind behind a suitcase brand called Chester Travelers. He launched the brand back in 2017 and in 2019, the brand already did 1.5 million in revenue. Oh my gosh. I know, Alyssa, that's not everything. (laughs) Yeah, so Kevin is also the founder of Facebook ads agency called Void Media. And in their own words, and I just, to be honest, copy pasted it from your LinkedIn page, Kevin, just because I loved how you you worded it. So in their own words, uh, they speak fluent internet. That (laughs) that they can create images that stop from scrolling, words that get people thinking, and marketing strategies that ensure that your talents don't get lost in the digital world. Kevin, I love love this quick introduction. Thank you for hanging out with us here today. Hey guys, thanks for having me. I'm super excited to sort of share my insights and building an e-commerce brand and sort of how we build a D2C brand and also how we use email marketing as well to sort of grow grow our sales. We are super excited to have you on the podcast today and your story is amazing and we can't wait to hear it. But before we go there, we want to do this quick blitz Q&A, just this <laughs> short questions and answers just to get to know you better, Kevin. So <laughs> having the right communication between your brand and your audience is how you create meaningful connections, building your brand's identity and reputation. Introducing Flowium's Brand Voice course. Get a step-by-step guide on creating your brand voice learn about what makes great branding 
steps on how to describe your brand, your tone, and how to represent your brand across multiple channels. Your brand identity can be one step closer to being complete with Floium's Brand Voice course. Find out more at floium.com slash brand voice. Okay, we're going to get started. So Kevin, just answer whichever one comes to the front of your mind first, like immediately. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right, here we go. New York or California? California. Carry on or checked luggage? Carry on. Okay. Machu Picchu or the Eiffel Tower? Oh, Eiffel Tower. Wow. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> this one, a bit technical one. Amazon FBM or Amazon FBA? I'll do FBA. Amazon oh. FBA. Yep. Travel destination you'd like to visit again? Uh, Taiwan. Ooh, cool. I've never, I haven't been there yet, but hopefully after this old madness ends, <laughs> we'll make it there. Amazon or WooCommerce? WooCommerce. I thought it would be a tough choice for you guys because you are using both as far as we know. Well, that's a, that's a, I feel like that's a good, good little warm-up exercise, right? Um, let's, let's get into it. Kevin, uh, for those who don't know your brand, who don't know Chester, how would you describe it? What is Chester and what makes it different? Yeah, so Chester is a luggage company. Like I said, we are, we're, our model was to sort of compete with Samsonite and like others like Tumi where people are getting luxury luggages that look great, that just like feel great. Uh, but those companies cost about 1000 or 2000 for a premium luggage. Right. And we also wanted to uh, be a little bit more high end than some, some of the luggage you might see in like New York City, Chinatown that costs like 30 or $40, but they break down in like a, in a year. Um, so that's really where we came in with the Chester sort of luggage of a pre high quality premium luggage that also didn't cost too much. So our luggages range anywhere between $100 to about uh, maybe $200. So a great price point for people that want a good piece of luggage, essentially. Right. But a luggage, it wasn't where you actually started. So mm -hmm. Alyssa, you had a question about something like about the very beginnings, right? Yeah. So uh, I have to get my, my husband doesn't own any luggage. So now I'm thinking, I'm like, huh, this is like, okay, you might have a new customer by the end of this podcast. They have a very cute pink one, Alyssa. Do they? Uh, uh, yes. <laughs> if your husband is not like, um, don't mind having, doesn't mind having like a cute pink luggage. Oh my goodness. I fell in love. Just, well, like, and the thing is, is like with luggage, you always want something that sticks out so that if you do check it for whatever reason, it comes down the, the little baggage, uh, S, what is it? That moving little escalator like thing or whatever it is. Yeah, belt, yeah, yeah. The yeah. baggage belt. <laughs> yeah. Yep, that's right. Um, and you don't want to be sitting there and thinking like, is that my luggage? Is that my suitcase? Is that my suitcase? You know, <laughs> like that's wor the worst. But I'm going to, yeah, you'll probably have a customer after this. <laughs> anyway, so, okay. So you didn't start with Chester Travel, obviously. So how did you get into e-commerce? Because you used to work as a developer for Mint, which is a huge organization, but primarily with developing. Um, so what actually led you into your career as a developer and then pursue e-commerce instead? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so I started my career as a programmer and I was about 17 when I first started like learning about programming and sort of like just tech in general. And at that age, that's when I kind of really wanted to, to do a startup. I was at that time, I was reading a lot about TechCrunch, TechMeme, like Hacker News, everything related to like tech in general. Mm. I was really into that space. So then I was also big into games. So I was like, okay, how do I how do I, how do I, I like playing games and really what really excited me was that concept of a game where 
someone was making a game and then you had all these people around the world playing it. And that sort of like a theory or idea was like, whoa, how can I do that too with software? And that's what led me to the programming path because I saw that that's how that was possible. And this was maybe over 10 years ago. So then that's when I did programming in college. I went to Binghamton. And then in Binghamton, that's so upstate New York, mm-hmm. I did a computer science program. And that's when I was like learning about computer science. But I realized that computer science in college is very different than programming that like you probably see now, which is like iPhone apps, web apps, like yep. software, right? Um, but he, so anyways, in college, I started to learn about Ruby on Rails. That was the first sort of web development framework that I learned. And at that time, iPhones were coming out, iOS apps were coming out. So in college, me and my friend Wilson, we started our web development company in college called One Tiny Bit. So in college, we were developing apps for people in our local area. And funny enough, we were just using Craigslist to get leads. Wow. We're just emailing them. Yeah, we're just emailing them. Hey, like, Whoa, hey, what? like, yeah. So like, it's so funny because like I was talking to Will, uh, Wilson today. I was just like, oh, it's crazy how we've been dealing with this like client thing for a long time. But we were doing it when we were like 20. And I just wrote a script that would basically scrape Craigslist and then email them saying, hey, my name is Kevin Ruti. I'm a college student um, in Binghamton. We'd love to sort of talk to you about your project. I mean, at this time, I didn't realize that that was like just cold emailing. Yeah. But like, I just like, and also I didn't realize that it's probably not the best way to just use your personal email to do these type of emails. <laughs> yeah. You want to get banned, right? By the yeah. time, like I didn't realize it's a thing. So anyways, that's sort of where I learned a lot about just like client management, work with clients. So I did that for about a year in college. And then obviously it was like still what, 21 I was like, oh, I want to go. I still want to follow that dream of moving to California because I was living in New York and I've never been to California. But my dream was always like, I got to get a tech center somewhere. So that's when I got to job at Mint. And really that came out of me working on projects and, and hackathons all throughout the nights and weekends. And I was living in New York at the time, very different than what it is now. But at that time, it was very like weird to be like, hey, I'm working on programming at night. And everybody's like, oh, why are you doing that? Like, why don't you just go out? I'm like, no, because this is fun for me, right? So it's like... <laughs> <laughs> so, and that's the, thing, that's the crazy part. It's like, it's then I moved to California and then everybody was just like me. I was like, whoa, like this is the best move wow. I made. Like I was hacking all night. We're working competitions. We're doing like startup weekends, any sort of hackathon, like all my coworkers at nights and weekends were all programming and stuff, not related to the job, but also not related to the job. And that sort of constant, like learning of things um, was what really excited me. And that's kind of why I like programming is because um, you're constantly learning a new language. Like a tool right. comes out this year, next year it's different. And you gotta, and for some people, they might not like it, but like for programming, that's kind of like what you're used to. You're like, okay, I guess gotta adapt. And, but like, you know, like JavaScript comes out and you got like a, a different framework, a different thing came out. And um, that's sort of where that came from. But anyways, I was working, <laughs> I was working at Mint. And then I went to another company called Zarly. Um, so anyways, I was in California for about four or five years. And then I came back to New York. And that's when I came back to New York. By this time, I was still building stuff. Like people always ask me, like, "Oh, were you building startups?" I was like, "I was still building things, but nothing like successful, right?" I was just like making projects, iPhone apps, and that kind of like uh, builder mindset was always there. I was like kind of doing stuff, so I kind of always realized that like I was building all this stuff, but then I didn't realize like I actually need to learn marketing, which is like nothing I ever knew about until like much later on in my right. career. And that came out of just like, I mean, back then like the tech space was a little different in sort of how I was like like viewing things in that time, people were just like, Oh look, like if you have a great product, you don't need to market it. Right. I mean, you probably heard that like, Hey, if you have a great product, no one needs to market it. And so I, I really believe that. But then I realized that's just like a narrative the companies are saying that way it makes people seem like, Oh yeah, it is a great product. They don't need marketing. So it's like, you kind of believe that yourself. 
Um, I mean, it so, is a marketing yeah. to be constantly yeah, is, <laughs> saying yeah. it. Our exactly, yeah. We need the marketing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And that's what I realized. So, for example, it's like Slack. Slack, people are like, oh my God, Slack grew organically. But then if you look at like the talks of like the Slack VP of marketing, they're like, yeah, like we have like a hundred people working for us just in marketing. And like, you're just like, oh, wow, what do they do? It's like, well, they're marketing, right? They're making stuff, right? So, right. Um, um, so that sort of like mindset really, eventually I was like, oh, I got to learn marketing. And anyways, I left California and then I went to New York back home. Really, I, people always ask me, like, why did I move back? I was living in California for about four years and I was born in New York and I was like, I got to live in New York City. I was like, like, this is like, I grew up here, like you got to live in the city, right? So, mm-hmm. and then that's when I came back because I, I didn't want to like miss that opportunity or that chance and uh, I kind of want to come back home. So I came back, I started actually started a cleaning company that's called Made Sailors. This and is that's so random, it, Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why <Yeah>. cleaning company? <laughs> uh, so I started a cleaning company for when I was working at that company called Darley. We were basically, you guys know like Angie's List, essentially yep. like Angie's List, like a whole server spreader. We're like a yep. competitor to them. So when I was working on that company, um, I was part of like the checkout process, the checkout flows. So I was looking at like the companies that are making the most money. And it wasn't, at the time, it wasn't companies, it was just individuals, just like freelancers, right? Kind of like, hey, look, I'm a cleaner and I could do your home. And I realized these people on the platform were the ones that were always constantly getting jobs booked. And, but the issues that were, I was seeing was that it was inconsistent. Like they wouldn't show up. They wouldn't just be like, oh yeah, sorry, I forgot. Or they would be too booked. So I was like, oh, what if I just make a company of all these set cleaners, kind of like an Uber, right? Of like drivers, essentially. That's really where that idea came from of me seeing that insight and then saying, oh, how can I replicate that in New York City? Because cleaning isn't like a new industry, but I know there's traffic. And that's really when marketing was like, uh, that's when I started learning more marketing. I was like, oh, you should probably go to an industry that has people looking for a product or service because mm-hmm. then you actually will find customers versus trying to find a new market. So that's kind of why I did a cleaning company. And that's when I started Made Seller. So I was doing that for about two years. That company right now, we have about over 150 maids. Uh, we're in New York City, Chicago. We've acquired like four other cleaning companies as well. So wow. we're still running. Yeah, so we're still running that company. And then after two years, just like, just like anything, I kind of like, I got tired of it. I was like, oh, I'm kind of bored. Uh, I want to do something else. And then that's when I started doing e-commerce. And the reason why that happened was because service-based businesses, like any sort of industry, like stuff we do too, like agency stuff, it's like you can grow, but you need to hire more people. Like mm-hmm. you can only grow right. as many. So mm-hmm. it's it's not hard to grow, but like there's a raw human capital cost to it. Right. Yep. So it's such a bad way to say that. Sorry. It's like a, it's like no, a but it makes capital. sense. Yeah. It makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Whereas at e-commerce, I was like, oh, wow, like I can grow this business, but, but you know what? you're only selling units or widgets and that's easier to scale. So that's where that came from. And that's when I started an outdoor gear company and that's called Montum. So that was the first e-commerce company I started. And the reason why I started that was because my friend Wilson, the one I told you from college, he was doing an outdoor gear company and he was selling products online and he was kind of traveling the world. And I was asking him like, hey, like how, how are you, much money are you making? And he's like my best friend. And I was like, oh my God, you're making almost as much money as me and it's only yourself. I was like, what the hell are you doing? Like, you didn't right. help me. Like, what are you doing? Like, uh, and then pretty much that's how that happened. And then he told me like, hey, listen to this podcast, go read this thing. And then that's when I started immersing myself into e-commerce, right? And he really helped me get started on that path. And then wow. I went to China to look at factories. So I've been to China now about three times to talk to factories, develop our products, make our custom stuff. And then, uh, yeah, that's sort of how I did e-commerce for there. And then... I was doing that for about a year and a half. So for, for Montum, great company. We are on number one tracking pull on Wirecutter, New York Times. We have a great product. Um, we have tons of reviews. And then that led me to start Chester. And then Chester came out of 
basically seeing everything I did wrong in Montem, as in like how many copycats came out, how many clones came out, how it was like a really easy product to ship. So that means competition was pretty heavy. So then Chester came out of me saying, oh, like how can I, I still want to do e-commerce because it was still fun, but how can I make a product that has less competition, but at the same time isn't as popular on Amazon as like the outdoor gear, outdoor gear. Outdoor gear is so popular on Amazon. And if you look at it now, it's just like a price war. Like it's just like a price, a race to the bottom. So then Chester was that sort of place of, we're not seeing a lot of these luxury e-commerce companies on Amazon because I think you guys know, like maybe three, four years ago, Amazon wasn't really seen as like a luxury place for brands. Mm-hmm. So we were like, oh, like, yeah. And like, it's like weird. Now Amazon is great because they pretty much said like, I don't care what anybody else thinks, like you're going to be on Amazon. And they've like pretty much forced almost any company to be on Amazon. Yeah, so, no, for sure. Yeah, yeah but so, there's still like the stigma. If you're yeah. the high-end brand, you're not on Amazon. Like Gucci would never yeah. sell their like bags, right? They maybe would start selling the $400 wallets soon. Yes, that that I can see that happening definitely, but not the thing. So yeah, so why Amazon? Tell us a bit more about that. Why you decided that Amazon is a good place for your high-end brand? So we saw Amazon because we were just, we were looking at the outdoor gear company. We're just like, whoa, there's just so much traffic on Amazon. Like you can put a product on there and just realize that Amazon just has so many people looking for things. And that's why Amazon is a great platform because you literally have buyers that just want to buy your product. And if it's not there, I was like, yeah, like I want to be there. People are looking for Samsonite. People are looking for Tumi. People are looking for these high-end companies, but they're not there. So I want to be in, at least show up in that search result on Amazon. And, and then that's proven to us to work really well. That's that's awesome. I actually, me and my husband, we do have the Amazon FBA business as well. And it's in yeah. travel niche as well. So uh, we are selling, um, it's not an ad or anything, guys. But if you want, go and check our brand. It's called Travelization. And actually, yeah, when we started looking into e-commerce, we like a few years ago, we were both working on our like nine to fives. And we were like, hey, what can we do something? think online, just like two people. Uh, we didn't have much money to hire the entire like team of people and stuff like that. What can we do so we can get out of this like nine to five, you know, <laughs> this like typical scenario. And we loved traveling and we thought, hey, why not start the Amazon thing? We bought the online course and right now, like this business is quite successful. It's been like when we started two, two, three years ago, and now we're actually thinking about selling it and starting something new and exciting as well. So I do have like a gazillion questions about the Amazon <laughs> game, <laughs> but I mean, uh, we'll, we'll probably talk more about the lead generation and stuff like that. And yeah, you're right. Love it or hate it. Amazon is one of the very like small handful of companies that you simply like can't avoid. It's like too big to ignore. And yeah. people are there like people are there waiting to 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 buy from you. Right. So that was a very um, smart move for you guys. So what was the, um, some of the first sort of like decisions or what was the first thing that you put your money into as a company uh, when you first started Chester Travel and why? The first thing we did was we, we knew that for this company, we want to have great photography. So the first thing was always great. We, we hired a great photographer to make good photos. Um, and that was like the most important stuff for us because we knew for Amazon, like you probably know too, like that first or second image is essentially an ad. So you want to make it really good and add graphics or add, add it to it. So that's sort of what we, 
wanted to do. So we did first, first for that. And then of course, second thing was just get a good website. So for the website, we just had like cheshiretravels.com. It was really just a WordPress theme that we found online that we thought was really well, and then we launched it. But the, after that, we didn't spend too much time thinking about the theme or sort of how it would look like besides making sure it looked like pretty simple to use and had like a checkout function. The other big part that we did to sort of launch this brand is because we knew it was kind of expensive for people was that we spent a lot of uh, time and just not, it wasn't even money. It was just spending a lot of time outreaching to people. We went out to bloggers that were in the travel space. We knew it was a big sort of niche of bloggers and travelers. So we emailed them to say, Hey, look, we have this new luggage company. Can you review it? And that was a super important strategy for us to sort of get people to buy the product because you probably know when someone looks for a product online, the next thing they search for is product name reviews. So we want, you want to appear on that sort of uh, top 10 results on Google that would people say, Hey, look, like I want to buy that product. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Sure. So are you still selling both on Amazon and on your own platform? Like WooCommerce you mentioned, right? You're using. Yeah. We're using WooCommerce. Yeah. I mean, travel right now for luggage is like the worst time. It's like no one's buying <laughs> like sales. It's like, yeah. it's like sales drop to like one a week, maybe if you're lucky. Oh right. right. Yeah. Tell, tell me about it. Yeah. I'm in yeah, the yeah. same industry basically. Yeah. yeah but like I know crazy. that a lot of companies are actually prefer not to be on Amazon be- because they want to basically own that leads, right? They want to talk mm-hmm. directly to that customers. They want to email them. They want to be able to, I don't know, like send a text message or, or yeah. something like that. How did you sort of communicate with your Amazon customers? Did you set up any like communication with your Amazon customers and in what ways? Yeah. So for I mean, like, this is stuff we used to do before. I'm not sure if it works well. Like, we used to use Feedback Genius a lot. I'm not sure if you use that. With Feedback Genius, it's kind of like a platform where you connect to your Amazon um, account, right? And then once it, once you get a sale, you're allowed to do, like, email sequences. I think Amazon now is, like, super strict about us. this. But before, what we would do was we would have, like, a warranty document in your email. And it says, hey, in order to apply for your warranty, go to chestertravels.com forward slash warranty and enter your information. And then... Then if someone came from that link, we knew it was an Amazon customer because they had to also enter their order ID and email address. And then that allowed us to put into like uh, the, the, the email list, right? Yeah. And you're not yeah. sure if that works anymore, Kevin? <laughs> I don't think it works anymore. Yeah. I'm Amazon, pretty sure like... Amazon yeah. is the best, but also the worst because we've had yeah. issues, like that's come up for a lot of our clients where they're like, we sell on Amazon, but we want them to go through these automations. And I'm like... Yeah, talk to talk to Amazon because they're not giving out any info at all. No, it was it was it was a lot easier back then. Yeah, and there was a lot of programs back then. I forgot what it's called. It was like Hello Proctor or something. Where basically they somehow were able to actually get like the customer's email address through their software, and a lot of people were just like doing that, and that's what we did too. Wow. Yeah. Well, yeah, not, like, not like, anymore. <laughs> yeah, not anymore. Like good old days. Yeah. So like yeah. the warranty was a great one. Where it's like, hey, look, you want a warranty? And like the thing about it too that you kind of goes back to what you're saying before. It's like Amazon customers, you can make a link called like let's say AZ hyphen warranty, right? And then if they went to that link, you knew it was an Amazon customer because you would only send it through that Amazon email. Mm-hmm. And then that also allowed you to do retargeting ads on Facebook. So if right. you knew they landed on that page, you could say, hey, look, we know that you're an Amazon customer. Do you want to review the product, right? So then. That's another way that you can get more Amazon reviews. So that's one of many probably ways how you build your email list, right? Yep. Build your email list. Uh, A big one probably right now, you've probably seen it too, is like 
people do it through like messenger bots where it's like, Hey, look, we have this product for sale on Amazon. Um, just enter your email and I'll give you like a coupon for five hours off. And then you get the email and then you sort of tell them to buy the product for like the next 24 hours. Like that urgency really works still. And then you email them saying, Hey, look, we know that you purchased the product. Would you like leave a review? And, and, and that's how you build an email list of Amazon customers mm-hmm. as well. Where does that bot come up? So like, um, it's like a messenger bot. So it's kind of like the Facebook messenger. You kind of like you're talking to your friend. It's like you gotcha, build an automation. Gotcha, 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 yeah. Yeah. So you can build like a small automation. It's like, Hey, enter your email. It's like, Oh, great, Kevin. Here's, here's your coupon code. And it's like one of the Amazon coupon codes. And it's like, oh. well, use it, use it now the next five minutes or else it's going to expire. Right. Oh, Something wow. Like yeah. That. Yeah. Yeah. Serious urgency. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that kind of leads us into like a, a big portion of what we wanted to talk about today, which is a really hot topic for a lot of brands. So obviously you used Amazon to a degree to, to kind of build, start building your audience, but what other strategies did you use? How did you approach kind of building your audience from scratch? Cause we know that you grew your organic traffic from zero to 60k in a month which is like nuts oh my gosh i'm sure that's every uh, e-commerce owner's dream so walk us through that a little bit because i'm sure that'll provide some really solid insight for our for people who are listening yeah so for seo wise seo i started doing seo remember that first cleaning company i told you so that's yeah. when i learned really seo and really that's when i learned how to do seo what worked and that's kind of how we grew that cleaning company initially and then same thing with like Monta, the outdoor gear company I think for like trekking poles or hiking poles are like top five. That sort of helped us grow wow. with uh, SEO. But then for Chester, well, obviously ranking for like luggage or travel luggage is so hard. And like, yeah, I'm, like yeah. oh my, I'm just like, oh my God. <laughs> so I had to like change my tactic up there. Uh-huh. So basically what I did there was more, more think about these sort of questions that people have around the travel space, right? Or the travel industry or travel luggage space. And one thing that I saw when I was like researching is, People were asking, how big should my luggage size be for my Delta flight, my Delta Airlines? So we realized that like there's hundreds of these like airlines. So then we just really built a huge sort of search list of travel size for Delta, travel size for American Airlines, travel size for Southwest Airlines. Basically, all these queries that people have questions for, Mm -hmm. we now are ranking like top five for them because people want to know what size it is. So basically, obviously, this isn't like an intent-driven keyword because it's kind of like informational. Uh But we we then have a pop-up on there and like a little email collection widget on there to say, hey, look, we know that you're looking for luggages or interested in luggages. Sign up for our email list to get like 10% off or 20% off. And that's how we are doing a lot of SEO. It's really, we call it like pain point SEO, right? What's that pain point that someone's looking for? And how can you make an article or content about it? And then for that we just hire like travel bloggers to sort of write about this and we just give them like a template. But that's really a lot of like, kind of like when you think about SEO, it's like, think about what is your space and sort of how does like, how can you help them? And another thing about another thing about like trust traveling is there's so much content around traveling. Like what are fears about flying? How do you get over flying? How do you you overcome flight fears, right? There's so Mm -hmm. much stuff that you can talk Mm -hmm. about that may not be related to the luggage, but flying in general. And then you sort of, and do you set up a, you either use email marketing or Facebook retargeting or any sort of retargeting to sort of like bring them back into your ecosystem? That's really smart. How do you get over the fear of flying? Get really nice luggage. Yeah. That's the way to yeah, do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like so. And also the thing, also the thing too, is like um, with this sort of stuff too, like if, you, if as a business owner, you're kind of trying to make money, right? So right. a lot of these terms, like for example, fear of flying, there's a lot of courses out there that teach you how to get over that. So you can then go say, hey, look, Hey, look, so, so I actually ranked top three for this keyword. If you want, I can put your course here as a suggestion and you pay me some money, like affiliate marketing, right? Mm -hmm. Right. 
So there's so many ways to sort of utilize SEO and so yep. like partnerships because then if they're taking his course, you can say, hey, look, maybe you want to mention my luggage in your course, right? And anyone who takes your course will get 15% off or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's really smart. Really, really smart. So do you have, do you use affiliate programs for anything else? I know that you have like a different travel product reviews, like uh, 20 best luggages of 2020 and stuff like that on your blog. Are you using the affiliates for that kind of content as well? Yeah. So we usually like Amazon has their own affiliate program. It's mm-hmm. probably like the most successful affiliate program in the world. So and the easiest, yeah. the easiest yeah. one to use probably like my grandma can become an Amazon affiliate. <laughs> like seriously, yeah, it's, it just, it's super easy. It's super easy and uh, definitely like anybody can become an affiliate. So yeah, it's nice. like, that's why, it's, that's why I like Amazon. That's why I kind of go back to it before. It's, it's why Amazon has grown so quickly. It's because like, every third party site is referring traffic to them. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Um, So what are the SEO strategies that you can um, suggest to someone who's like literally starting from scratch? What are the first things that they need to do? I think for when I was learning SEO, this is a great, great question because I think, I think for any business having a great sort of SEO strategy or mindset is good to think about. Um, I still love using my favorite tool for SEO is Ahrefs. Have you guys heard of it? Ahrefs.com. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. It's super extensive, but it's like probably the best worth tool it. I've ever used. Yeah, it's worth it. It literally can tell you anything about a website. And really, you use something like this to figure out what keywords or things you should rank for. But honestly, before you even start, is just look at competitors and put it in their domain name and see what they're ranking for. And then if they're ranking for content that you want to rank for, just look at the format they're using. I always tell people like uh, with SEO, a lot of it has to do with the format of the content or sort of like the style of the content. Right. So look at the top three competitors or even like the top three search results for a keyword that you want to rank for and see what they're doing that you now need to copy. Because SEO is really just Google saying, hey, this thing that the person number one is doing is working. Go do it. Like, like people try to reinvent the wheel. I'm just like, hey, it's working well. Just go do it. Like ha- having nice tables, having a uh, table of content, all that stuff is working really well now because Google is showing that stuff uh, now. So I always tell people like do that. Other than that, for SEO, I think people should really understand just like the keyword planner that, and then Google has one, right? Yeah. Keyword planner is a tool that just literally tells you like, hey, people are searching for this keyword or not, right? If you think your word, I think this is so important because sometimes as a founder, as an owner, you call your product something, but normal people don't call it that way. Mm-hmm. So it's like, and it's like, people are like, but I want to call it that. I'm like, but no one, no one looks it for that way. So like, why are you going to call it that way? <laughs> right, it's like, right. it's like, I'm not, it's like, it's interesting because you probably like, we obviously agency stuff. Like we deal with all the time. I'm like, like, I don't want to argue with you, but like, literally no one's searching for it this way. <laughs> like, yeah, like, you don't, you don't yeah. have enough budgets to argue with people. That's yeah. what I've noticed with like a lot of new businesses as well. If you yeah. don't have enough like budget to educate your customer about like your your brand or about your product just to do something simple or name it the way they name it people call the sunscreen sunscreen even though it might be yeah. technically the sunblock because it's yep. like a different kind of the product but if they are calling it sunscreen if they are looking for a sunscreen don't like try to be like don't try to outsmart them. Yeah. <laughs> Just like go, go where the traffic is. Yeah. 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 For sure. Yeah. yeah so that's like, yep. The, the, yeah, that's that, a big one. yeah. 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 That's, a, that's like a number one, like tip is just like, 
don't be clever. Just like look at what Google is saying because yeah. they probably have more data than you probably can think of. Yeah, that's funny. But it's so but it's so hard to be like not emotional about yeah. your product because eventually it's like your baby, you know, and you're yeah. so like biased. You love this product, you love it, and uh, yeah, yeah. And and I think I, th- I think what you said is a great question, great point. Where people would definitely like, oh, like, but Kevin, you like feel that way. But for me, I've done like I said before, I've done so many products that that sort of feeling like goes away. It's just like, oh, it's just another company I'm working on and what I'm learning on. But yeah, I think people in the beginning do really get attached to their companies and have that feeling. Um, but for me, and like, I'm just like, oh, it's just another company. I've done like 30 that like four have worked and maybe 29 have failed or whatever. So let me just like go on to the next one. <laughs> right, right, right. That's oh, a come good on. So you don't it. have your favorite Chester luggage, your favorite color or favorite kind? <laughs> oh, the favorite one is uh, definitely the pink one. That's like the that pink one? one that makes, yeah. I'm that telling you. The, yeah. Cause that one's the one that makes us the most money. So I love it. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> so, yeah. 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 Everybody, that one's always like, people always want that one. Yeah. The blue is cute as well, but the pink one is yeah, my, yeah, the blue my is really favorite. <laughs> yeah. And like that little surf blue one is really nice too. Yep. Yeah, you've yeah, mentioned it briefly already um, that coronavirus is obviously affecting you. Well, it affects everyone, uh, <sighs> but you as a travel brand, how are you navigating the coronavirus landscape? Have you like adjusted your marketing strategy, your business tactics or your messaging? What have you done? Really for us, what we've been focused, Amazon sales has been really bad. So like really low and then website sales as well. But really what we're focusing on is still the SEO because we know that SEO is still going to be strong when it comes back. So for, and we also know that SEO takes time. So we're like, okay, it's fine that we're not getting too many sales, but let's still focus on putting good content and also acquiring great links so that when the time gets right, we're still ranking highly. Because like if anything with SEO, you probably know it's like, you can't just like not do anything eventually your competitors right. will come up and start uh, ranking higher than you. So for us, it's fine. We're just sort of really putting our energy into SEO because we're still seeing it work really well, but the sales aren't there yet. But we know that we're building up this whole content library that eventually we can, we're going to be using for uh, the marketing. Well, and hopefully you guys will smash it next year when all of this hopefully is <laughs> yeah, over. Hopefully, yeah. traveling again. And then everyone's like, I feel fresh. <laughs> I feel fun. I feel flirty. I need a new suitcase. And then they hop onto Chester Travels. And get the yeah. pink one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Buy the pink. Buy the pink. <laughs> That's funny. Okay. So Kevin, with with SEO, ads, social media, obviously all these different marketing kind of avenues, where does email fit? in for you guys? So email for us is we're doing a lot of email collection. Like we love the exit intent pop-up and we have that almost everywhere for any blog post. really mm-hmm. great sort of strategy there for uh, collecting people based on a good offer. I tell people like no one's going to be your email unless like you give them a good offer. So it's either 10% off or 20% off. Right. So that's with any e-commerce brand and right. people always, you probably, you guys probably hear all the time. You have like an email, you can say like, Oh, does this work? I'm like, yeah, it works really well. Like people love getting discounts. So yeah, it's like, it's like one of the easiest ways to do it. Yeah. But, it's so easy too. And a lot of brands just don't realize how much opportunity they are missing by not having that right. exit intent pop-ups on their pages. Well, yeah, it's starting it, to become expected from, for customers as well. Like when they go onto a website, they're expecting to see some kind of offer. So if you're not on board with that, then you're definitely missing out for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, I think it's exactly thing too. It's like people now expect to have a discount and 
a lot of brands are like, you probably know, like, oh, we don't do discounts. I'm right. like, well, like, yeah, it's like a yeah. interesting, it's an interesting uh, conversation when brands say that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. We have those conversations all the time. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you can see how like both strategies can can work because we have like a lot of successful clients who are doing some like different sort of um, incentives, like access to products that are only available to like certain kind of like VIP customers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I can see how both strategies work, but definitely, Kevin, you're right. The easiest probably thing that you can do to start like building your list is to have that exit intent pop up with some sweet little offer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it exactly goes back to what you said before. It's uh, discount is like the easiest, and that's like kind of what you said before. It's like anybody can do it, but a better offer would be like what you said. It's like either a bundle, a VIP product, uh, an ebook, a course, saying, "Hey, mm-hmm. give us." And those are always better, but right. of course, those take more work and time, and you really mm-hmm. need to think about how does. How does it really affect um, sort of your product line, right? So yeah, oh, yeah, definitely there. What do you right. see the, I mean, do you see or do you use email at all? So that way you're starting to get more like two-time buyers, three-time buyers, like repurchasers, or I guess that's kind of a two-part question. Like what's the lifetime value of the <coughs> customer, but then also like, do you use email to kind of capitalize on that or make that a possibility for your brand? Yeah, so for us, like we use email a lot. So for, if you look at Chester now, it's, we had the, the carry-on, which is the minimum, which uh-huh. was the one you see. But that was the only product we sold for about a year and a half. Oh, wow. So, okay. yeah. So right now you probably see all the other products and the yep. sizes, but mm-hmm. those just launched. And obviously it's the worst time to launch because we like wanted to like, we want people to travel. Like, hey, look, upgrade your, your, your suitcase because people were buying the carry-ons, but they would say, hey, I want a set. Right. right. So then we couldn't, we couldn't make the set and because we just didn't have enough money. Right. We're just a bootstrap company. Like we just couldn't afford the inventory to make a new mold, to make a new size because everything on the Chester is custom. And then you guys probably know too, is like with this luggage, we have a tons of colors. So each color needs like a minimum order quantity. So we just couldn't justify the cost at the beginning until we knew there was traction. And then once we had traction, that's when we started doing the other sizes. And then that's when we use email marketing to get people to come back and buy the, the sets. Uh-huh. So that was so important for us because Absolutely, you right know it's like we were teasing people with emails saying, "Hey, we have new sizes coming up. Um, let, let us know what colors you like." And of course, using the data from like the, 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 the carry-on, we knew what sizes to make in the beginning, and then that helped us get more sales. And email was so important for that because we just built a sequence and then gave uh, kind of like VIP customers a discount to buy first, and nice. then we launched it on the website. Yep. Okay. Very cool. What so, sort of sequences are you using right now? What what flows do you have in place? That's just like email marketing nerd in me is wondering. Uh, so we have like the main one, which is like the exit. So basically one, one flow that we have that works really well, and this is for post-purchase. So we do this for Montem as well, is after someone buys, we send an email that's like templated, like let's say first name, comma, uh, thank you for purchasing. Let's say it's like, Kevin, thank you for purchasing. And then, and then in that email, we just have like a, a plain text-based email that says, hey, Kevin, uh, thank you so much for purchasing your Montem poll. We'll love to know why you purchased it for. And then that helps us get really good feedback on mm. why they purchased the product. And also we can use that to sort of help optimize our ad copy and feedback. So and just like, why are people buying the products? So we just did that. We're doing that and that's worked so well because also we like doing that too because that it's a question and you guys probably know when someone replies back that helps with email deliverability of all our other emails, which oh, are promos. Sure. Yeah. So smart. So you are just lie back thing. So they have yeah. to like reply to that email. That's yeah. We so just say, smart. Hey, 
Yeah, would you say, hey, thanks. Hey, we know you purchased the Monster Dragon Ball. We'd love to know why you purchased it for. And people say, hey, I bought, I bought it for my son because he's going on a hiking trail. Hey, I bought it for my grandma, right? All this, like, people just give you, like, crazy responses. They're like, oh, that's oh, really yeah. cool, right? It's yeah. great. Something like, that you don't even expect, right? Right. Like yeah. happened to us. No, you get, I mean, you give people an outlet like, hey, we want to hear from you. And they're like, well, let me tell you my life story. And they send you like a 10 page email and you're like, okay, awesome. Great. I'm about it, you know, but uh, it's I like. I love those. They, I love I, those. People love to reply to stuff, which is great. I mean, you're giving them an outlet to talk about themselves, which. Especially older people. Have you noticed, yeah. Alyssa? Yeah. Like, yep, 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 yep. Oh, yeah. I, I love working with like boomer clients. Give me those. <laughs> they are so responsive. So, so responsive. Always. I love it. I love it. And yeah. And they literally tell you their life story and you can yeah. reuse it. You can repost it on all of your social media and you can do the nice campaigns out of it. <laughs> Love it. I live for this kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. 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 That, that sequence is so good too, because I tell people too, it like it helps your customers reassure you that they made the right decision. And for us, we say, Hey, thanks for buying your mountain pole. By the way, this is my name. I'm the founder. We're a small New York city company, blah, blah, blah. Right. So you assure them, Oh wow, I'm helping a small business out. So that's always a great way to sort of keep your customers like sort of uh like not return them you know say oh this is a small company you know i'll keep it (laughs) right 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 (laughs) yeah and besides like so much of marketing and email marketing included is about like testing what works and what doesn't and like constantly like collecting that information did you have like any unexpected surprises that you experienced along the way like you thought that this would work this way and turned out that this is more effective strategy or something like that give us some fun examples if you have them yeah so for montum really this is where a good example is are we sell trekking poles hiking gear for and for us we thought it was gonna be for like the younger generation you know maybe 20 to uh, 35 right so our marketing advertising was based towards this like younger generation but based on the emails we were saying before we realized a lot of people are buying it for their grandmas or for themselves to sort of walk better on sidewalks because they had bad knee pain or joint pain so they're using the trekking poles as a cane alternative and then that's like a thing that we sort of saw for a while kind of you kind of like see these emails and you're like oh that's a really like in the beginning you're like oh that's an interesting use case right and then you're just like you're constantly getting them and then wow. we're just like we're then we're just like oh wow like we're getting a lot of people buying it for like their parents so then we were looking at our facebook ads as well and then we did see that at 45 plus was the audience that was giving us the best results as well so after like this is like almost a year of us looking that at this and obviously so like funny yeah but this goes back to kind of what you were saying before with like, it's kind of like your baby for a year. We're just like, no, this is not our audience. Like, no, we're just not our audience. Right. It's like, it's like, a, different, it's like a different version of that. Right. You, you don't want to denial. believe it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah. That's like, so no, funny. this is not our audience. Yeah. Because if you look at our website, it's like very more younger based. Anyways, after a year or so, we completely switched the way we're advertising to. So what you see, like what you see right now is like the, our old style, but when we're at marketing and advertising, it's only to the 450 plus. And then we have custom landing pages and custom emails and custom images for that 50 plus crowd. So we went out to get photo shoots and video shoots of the older people talking about knee pain and joint pain. And then that's helped us grow. But that's kind of like a, where sometimes like you kind of don't want to be, you're sort of essentially in denial and you're like, oh, well, the data is telling you why. So you got to adapt. Right, 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 right. But how did you originally come up with that persona? Like 
25 to 30 hikers and stuff like that uh, like what oh. sort of resources did you use because like finding the persona that you're selling for it's like the the hardest one and like all of our clients are like still struggling we're just like mm. asking them hey who are you selling for they were like well we don't know you tell us <laughs> and we we're like no that's something that you should know usually <laughs> but that's part of our job we're trying like to collect more more information to, to yeah create, like better flow so how did you initially came up with that original persona Kind of exactly what you said. We're like, oh, this is who we think it is. Let's just go with it. <laughs> there was like yeah. no rhyme uh-huh. or reason. Yeah, it's kind of like any sort of business owner. Like, there's no rhyme or reason. And obviously, like right now too, with our agency, it's like we get that question a lot. Like, oh, I don't really know who it is. I'm like, okay, that's kind of interesting that you don't know either. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's sort of like, but that's sort of where I think it depends on like yourself as a founder or a marketer. It's like you you think it's one person. And you have to realize that like that person might change based on the data and what you're seeing. And that's why I think with email, it's so important to be asking these open-ended questions. That way you can truly see who's buying your product because when your product solves a problem, you need to figure out what is that problem that your product is solving. Like for us, the tracking balls, we didn't realize it was going to be a, such a huge hit for like a walking cane alternative. And that's what we call it. So then we also made a book, an ebook that we sell now about walking, walking exercises for people 50 plus. That was not something that like two years ago, I was like, yeah, we're going to be doing this. Like it never crossed my mind. <laughs> wow. That's, that's really interesting. So like what sort of advice would you give yourself if you were starting building this brands from the very beginning? Like what would you do differently, I guess, this time around? Oh, I, I guess for like, for somebody like for somebody like uh, Montem or Chester, I guess. I mean, Chester. I think what we did, I think what we did for Chester was really great. Um, as in the way we built the product, I think what we could have done a little bit better was just make our website nicer, faster. It took us like the website you see right now was probably after a year and a half as well. We just had a really stock website uh, theme, but after like a year and a half when we had the new website that it really uh, kicked off the Chester. When I say kicked off Chester, I mean not sales-wise, because sales are still doing good, but it helped us more of us when we were doing outreach to bloggers or doing outreach to influencers. They would then Google the website Chester, like, oh, this is a really pretty looking website. I think you guys must be a good brand, right? But that's just like perception of people. And that I think perception is so important when building a brand and sort of reaching out to bloggers, influencers, that you might need to write about your brand and, and uh, review you. That's, yeah. And that's awesome. I love, I love the website. I was just browsing through it and I was browsing through it earlier in the week and I was like, Ooh, I like how this looks. It's just like clean and looks yeah. like really like just seamless, <laughs> like your luggage, you know, it makes sense. It matches the product. <laughs> yeah. If you like, uh, if you do like the Wayback machine and like type in Chester travels and like look at it from a year ago, you'd be like, Whoa, it's so greasy. <laughs> wow. wow. <laughs> greasy. That's so funny. That is so funny. Yeah. Well, um, Kevin, thank you so, so, so much for being on here with us today. We loved it. This has been super insightful and a lot of really interesting stuff. I feel like I'm going to have to re-listen to this podcast a few more times, take a bunch of notes and bring it back to my clients and be like, listen, you need to listen to this and understand. Linda, listen. Have you guys seen this video? (laughs) Yeah. Linda, Linda, listen. Linda, Linda, listen. (laughs) That's what I'm doing tomorrow. I really loved um, that, um, like, tell us why you purchased the product thing, honestly. Yeah. We we haven't done it in this format, but I think it's it's genius, Kevin, so. Yeah, we also just did one recently, like, just now for, like, uh, reviews. Obviously, you know, reviews are so important. 
we just mm-hmm. did one email saying like, hey, we'll give you a 60 hour gift card if you like answer this sort of question for us in an email. It's like, sometimes people want to send like quizzes and like type forms and all that stuff. But I just tell people like, I just make it easy. Just like, just say, I'm just like, reply back to me. And then mm-hmm. we'll parse the data. Sometimes like making people click and all this stuff is like, eh, I don't want to do it. And then it gets too fancy. How do you, yeah. how do you like collect that information and reply back to them? Is it all manual or you have some sort of flow in place for that? Just manual, baby. It's manual. manual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the one way. Yeah. It's like, it sucks, but it's like, it's just so effective. Yeah. Well, it's worth it. And I'm sure it's, it's worth seeing as well, like positive feedback like that as the owner of the company, like it must be very cool. And yeah. it reminds you of why you're doing what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. It's like, sometimes it's interesting to see Cause you're just like, Oh yeah. Like, yeah. Someone like a real person purchased this. Right. It's like, sometimes you right. forget. Right. And uh, I mean, you see those emails come in, obviously like, let's say you sell a hundred uh, pieces, you might get like two to three and it's like, Oh, it kind of reminds you. It's like a little reminder, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. This is a real person. That's <laughs> a real person. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, thank you again, Kevin. We appreciate it so much. Today was great. Such a blast. And your story is so interesting, like <laughs> so much insight, so much interesting stuff. It's amazing. So thank you again so, so much. We really appreciate it. That was a good one. Uh, if you want to hear more awesome podcasts like this one, more episodes like this one, don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends, family, and loved ones. If you have any questions at all, or if you'd like us to feature you on our podcast episode, send them in at flowium.com slash ask. And if you want to get involved in a community of avid email marketers and e-commerce entrepreneurs, um, join us at flowium.com slash community. And guys, if you are interested in getting some more advice on how to establish a solid email marketing strategy for your e-commerce store, make sure that you visit us at flowium.com slash contact and you can sign up for a free consultation where you'll be speaking to someone like myself or Vera and we can kind of go over what you have in place and, and how to optimize it so that we can better kind of suit what you're trying to achieve for your business. Right. And don't forget to join us next week. Tune in next week because we will be sharing some cool tips on how to optimize your discount strategy for the holiday season. And I feel like that's a big one. We'll be talking about the methods around creating urgency in email for customers to take the action, to act on your call to action, basically. So that's a good one. Don't miss it. And uh, we will hear you next week yeah well yeah you guys will hear us next week thank you you again so much kevin we really appreciate it and guys thanks for listening and until next episode next week (laughs) bye everybody bye thanks for listening to email einstein can you feel that your marketing brain just got a little bit bigger we ask that you please use it wisely you've got all the theory you need to get out there and start boosting your sales Because great emails equals revenue squared. Just in 2022, we help our e-commerce client generate over 250 millions in revenue through effective email marketing strategy. And now we can help you too. Stop missing out on the potential revenue your email could be generating for your business right now. Take advantage of our free email marketing audit today and let our team help you optimize your email for maximum conversion. Go to flowroom.com slash audit and book your audit today. It's flowium.com slash 
A-U-D-I-T, flown.com slash audit.